guys, welcome back to Off Script. Uh, hopefully, really enjoying the episode so far. Thank you so much for watching, everybody, and listening as well, because you might be listening. I'm joined once again by the main man, East Coast Iniesta, Mr. Lewis. Right, how are you, Lewis? All right, man. Just sorting out the volume there to make sure everything's all all sound for tonight. Another great guest uh, on Off Script tonight. We have the left wing legend, Mr. Mark Angel. From the glory days at Boston United, so I'm looking forward to getting into the uh, the juicy stories from times gone by. Fantastic. So, evening, Mark. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm doing all right. Perfect, mate. Um, what you been up to? Been keeping uh, busy? Have you been like Mo Farrell on steroids like everybody else during the lockdown? I'd like to say I've been keeping fit, but um, I'm sort of hiding my figure underneath the table, so you can't really see it. So. Uh, I've got a young fam. I've got I've got three young children, like two, three, and four year olds. So uh, they've been keeping me busy, to be honest with you. So it's been it's been hard work, but um, just like everybody, everyone's had challenges over the lockdown. So, but fingers crossed, for everyone's over the over the finish line right now. We can start getting back to, to enjoying ourselves a little bit more. Yeah, that's the that's the dream. We're nearly there. There is light at the end of the tunnel, and. Um, and uh, hopefully balls will be getting kicked on a lovely, nice green surface very soon. Well, saying that, they're probably muddy still. Uh, quite wet around here at the minute. Um, so, off script, you've seen a few of the episodes. You sort of know yeah. the format which me and Cookie run through. Um, let's start right at the beginning of uh, Mark Angel's grassroots footballing. Up north in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, where you uh, where you was born. How did it all come about? What age did you get involved? Yeah, I was, I was probably probably like most children down this area. I was about six or seven, and um, there was the Newcastle area, the northeast, a real big hotbed of football, and you've got all the uh, there's, there's really big grassroots football clubs there, and have produced many many footballers. I think if you're looking at a club called Walls End Boys Club, um, that's obviously had Alan Shearer and uh, Lee Clark, Peter Beardsley, and, and Michael Carrick. So. I was playing for a grassroots club that was in competition with them, and it, it's produced to quite a few footballers. Um, so yeah, I started seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way up playing, playing obviously with my mates, and I got a chance to go to Newcastle United Academy at eleven. So and, and that's where it started basically. Wow, we might as well stop off script right there because he just named Alan Shearer, Lee Clark, Michael Carrick. We're done. We're out. We've, we've completed it now. Um, wow, That's some talent up north. Um, so when so you, you started at Newcastle, um, and how long, how many seasons was you there for? I was, I was there as a schoolboy, but to be honest, um, I was very small built, so I actually left there when I was about 13, 14, and um, I went back to playing grassroots football again. Obviously, I was very small, and I'm obviously in August birthday as well, so literally, um, I was. I was one of the smallest in the year. I was obviously just missed out and being the year below at school. So uh, I sort of went back to playing with my friends. Obviously, then I got I got picked up by Sunderland. Um, and obviously went to Sunderland and, and went went there straight as a pro. So uh, I was quite lucky to go back into football. Obviously, I wanted to get back in and try and concentrate on my schoolwork a little bit more because obviously I've done football since I was seven, eight, and coming out of the game at fourteen, I thought. What am I going to do now? So I, I went back to, to school and tried to knuckle down, even though I wasn't particularly that clever at school either. So, but 
I just went back to school and done a little bit more work in there. But luckily, I, I was playing uh, football and I got picked up by Sunderland and got offered a pro contract uh, quite young. So I was quite lucky to do that, really. Unbelievable. Um, so, was you always, we always ask the question on off script, was you always a left winger, being small and nippy? Yeah, I was. I was a left winger, and obviously, when we signed for Sunderland, I was. I'm a. I'm a draw, and all my family from the the the, the middle of Newcastle and the roughest part of Newcastle, probably. And they're all mad Newcastle fans, so me signing for Sunderland wasn't a good. Uh, it wasn't a good idea, but. I'll be honest, I've always been a Sunderland supporter growing up. Um, my dad always took me to the Sunderland game because they were the, the best team in the area at the time and I've sort of stuck with that, even though uh, that's like someone from Boston probably supporting Lincoln City probably or Grimsby or something like that. So it was a, it was an odd one, but that's the way I was brought up and I was lucky to play for them, really. Yeah, Mackhams. Um So when, when you, um, just before you went from Newcastle made the jump to the red and white side, um did you have any other offers to go anywhere else? Or yeah. Just a nice transition straight to... Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. It was just down there. Obviously, it was 20 minutes drive from where I lived. Um, obviously, my parents, I was still a young lad, so I lived at home as well. So, probably not the best idea because, obviously, I was going out the weekends. And, I mean, it's a different culture now, the football at this level, obviously, the, the top-end level. It's You don't have many players going out weekends and uh, I think players look after themselves a little bit more now which is the, the game's much more the game's changed now much more in terms of the the, the scientific side of everything and the, the fitness side of it so yeah I probably couldn't do what I did now and probably most players at that age were 18, 19 but you obviously got to change if, if you want to be at that top level and play at that good level you've got to try and change ways a little bit and sort of look after yourself which is uh, it's it's more and more part of the game now the fitness side of it rather than just the ability side when you, um, you you said obviously uh, it wasn't sort of a scholarship; it was more of a schoolboy you went and did. Um, was was your contact time different, um, i.e., training uh, with the team more than the others, or you know, did did it was it on par because the yeah. sort of let, let you out? Yeah, I think the school the schoolboy side was. Uh, I'll be perfectly honest; I didn't enjoy the academy side of playing football. Um, I liked to play with my friends. I liked to, so I was, it was probably my dad made me go to training. And But obviously after a while, when I got to, to 13, 14, I realised that it was what I wanted to do. So, but um, yeah, the, the early days, I didn't enjoy doing it, to be honest with you, because it was a lot of good players there. It was a lot of, obviously you know the academy system is there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, players want to be the best players and it's a lot of very competitive. So I, I didn't really enjoy it when I was younger, but obviously when I got older and I realised that, it was what I wanted to do and obviously I made my own decisions and then I wanted to go down that down that route really. Yeah, the, the, the sort of you got that maturity where the penny dropped thinking, no, I've got a knuckle down. If I'm going to make being a pro, this yeah. is what I've got to do. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. So, so from the, um, so from your youth team days, let, let's see if we can drop some other big names in. Um, you know, through... When you was at Sunderland, what sort of names was coming up there through the through the ranks with you? Um, I think you've got Michael Bridges, who was at Leeds, obviously uh, Sunderland, Newcastle. Um, Michael Gray, obviously been in the Premier League. He was uh, I was good friends with him to be honest with you. He liked a night out, and obviously I had a few nights out when I was there. So uh, that's going back to Michael Gray. Michael Gray didn't he appear on Harry Redknapp's thing? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. I watched a podcast the other night. Actually, I, obviously, when I got to go to bed, I, put, I watched his podcast, and there was a 
it was really good listening to his stories from the from obviously when when he played. Obviously, I was just below him as well, so uh, it was good. And that's why I like the idea of doing one of these because it was it's, it's you can have a relax and you can talk about everything that he used to. Obviously, I won't go into detail, but they're really good to watch. Yeah, there's nothing better than just talking football. Um, you come up with something better for me. Um, so yeah, Michael Bridges, Bridges was a very good player. Very yeah. good player. Obviously, big money to Leeds. Um, Michael Gray. Was there any others that come to? Um, I, th- I think uh, coming through there's a player called Martin Smith. He was at, uh, at Sheffield United. Uh, he's at Sunderland. But obviously the. The, the pros there when I was at, when I was there was um, Don Goodman, um, David Rush. Who was it? I've been with a few clubs with David. Was at Oxford. Was at Sunderland. Obviously, when I was there, and obviously, I moved around with him a couple of times as well. So there's some. But to be honest, you know yourself that academy level and players actually going on to make it. It's uh, it's getting more and more difficult. And, and I'm being honest, there was players better than me when I was when I was younger but um, I think in the trial game I played I, I scored two goals in the trial game and uh, I've got friends now and I mean I'm mid-40s now and there's players who I've still contact yeah. with back past a lot better players than me but just being a bit lucky at the right time and someone watching you and someone liking you at the time and that's how it goes sometimes yeah oh, awesome um, so uh, how, how was it sort of playing at, at the you know the big stadiums and stuff like that because obviously around here you know, we've got the uh, York Street, the Fortress. We've got the team down the road, which we don't tend to mention. Obviously, that's a half decent stadium as well. Um, now, how was it playing in in front of big crowds? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, obviously grounds wise. I mean, I, I went back to the stadium late and played for Oxford against Sunderland, and I scored a I scored the first goal. There, and I think it was about twenty thousand there. Um, so that was a good experience. Did I did. So I watched on I watched on YouTube the other day, and I was uh, I celebrate because I was I was playing left back that game. All my uh, all my mates had money on me, so I was I think I was uh, thirty three to one, and they all had a ten. I'm talking twenty years ago now. They all had ten, ten, twenty quid on me then. So uh, they're doing all right out of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some big grand, like I say. The, played at the old Villa Park. Played Anf- I played at Anfield. Um, played. Uh, Wolves, Birmingham City, um, played the old Arsenal grounds. Um, I'm trying to think, of Sheffield United, all, all them. If I, if I look down all the lists, I'm sure there's probably three quarters of the grounds that I've been involved in and played games, and so uh, good, good experience. It's a shame that now there's no fans in the ground, which is made. To be honest, I'm watching games now, and I, I don't think the look was. It's. I think it's not the same watching games now when there's no fans there and it looks like a practice game to me. So I'll be honest, when I'm watching games now, it's not much atmosphere, I think, so it's, it's difficult sometimes. Yeah. There's, there's only a few exceptions, probably Juve and Porto the other week. Um, you know, the normal games only played at about 75% for me. Um, yeah. everything, very, everything's very safe. There's no risk being taken. Yeah, I agree with you. Apart from if you're Man City, who just make it look easy. Um, it's, it's different, isn't it? It is different. Yeah, um, so the the time at Sunderland, obviously that's where you came through. Who who was your, your gaffer back then? And sort of, is there any stories from your youth team, schoolboy days, you know, cleaning boots? Because that, that was a thing back then. Yeah, we used to have to... I was quite lucky because I went into... I was a pro straight away. So even though I was 18, 19, and obviously the, the young, the, there was boys there 
roughly the same age as me, just obviously they were second year scholars and I was a first year pro really. So, uh, but my manager there was a, a guy called Dennis Smith, who was a West Brom manager, Oxford manager. He's like played for Stoke City, probably one of their greatest ever players. So, um, yeah. he in Malcolm Crosby, I think uh, he was he's been a derby, he's been a Middlesbrough. So, um, yeah, they they. I was there when they were there, and uh, Peter Reid. He was he, he he was the one who actually let me go. Peter Reid. So uh, he, he let me. I was a pro there, and obviously the one had a two-year contract. And at the end of the contract, he said to me, uh, "Listen, we're not going to sign you for another year." So and obviously uh, that's when I moved on. So it was it was tough time, but you have to get get up. Peter Reid can be very crude at times. Uh, I, I know I know first time because. Um, I was quite lucky when I was at uh, secondary school. We had a trip to uh, Question of Sport, and he was on Ali McCoy's team. Yeah. I, like, I, like, I actually like him, actually. I do like him, to be fair. And it was just a, yeah. was it. That was it at the end of the day. And uh, I didn't actually like him, and I, th- I thought he was, uh, he was good with the players. He was Because uh, I was only a young pro then. I, was, I wasn't in the first team, I was a young pro. But uh, I know he was well liked up there, and, I, and like I say, he'd done a good job at Sunderland. And I, I liked him, to be honest with you. I think he was a nice bloke, to be honest. Very much so. No, that was uh, he's top top guy. I know the question sport. It took about two hours to uh, film uh, one yeah. thirty minute episode. Probably longer yeah, than that. Yeah, it was um, really good. So the, um, the the transition. So you you was very fortunate. You 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 went straight to being pro at Arsenal. Yeah. So I've got my list in. Correct me if your uh, your source on Wikipedia is wrong. Um, you, you know, you, you've got Sunderland, which we touched on. Did did you link with the um, guy from Sunderland? Is that what took you to Oxford? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he invited me down to Oxford. Um, I went down as a 19-year-old, and um, it was a bit of a culture shock to me because I'm from the, the rough part of Newcastle. I had gone down to Oxford, which was one of the nicest places in the country to live in, and uh, I was a young lad, so... Um, I trained for a week and I played in a pre-season first team game and did really well in the game and obviously got offered a, got offered a contract. So I, I loved the time down there. I, had, I think I had two or three years there. Played played some great, good games there. And I, I speak to all the players that were there then from 20-odd years ago now. So I'm still in contact with the players there. So it was a it was a good time for that football club. It was a really good club. I think we were for League 2 at the time. Quite when, you went to, when you went to Oxford, Mark, did you, did you get released from Sunderland or was it just a mere it was just a transfer? Oxford. It was end of contract, so I was they not me a new contract. I was out of contract anyway. So, but um, to be honest, even if I if I had been offered a contract, the chance to go and play at a lower level to, to play and play first team football, yeah. I would have done it anyway. To be honest with you, and to be honest, I had a bad injury when I was at Sunderland. The last part of the probably last four months of the the season anyway, I fractured my foot, so uh, I didn't play, I didn't play anyway. So the chance to move out the area was was a good thing, really. So, but. When I got the contract, I was fit. Who knows? But it just that's the way it went. So uh, you, you went to Oxford '95 to '98 um, football league. Um, it, I've I've saw some out saying that it, it was <coughs> excuse me 85 appearances and scoring six goals. Um, yeah, yeah. Nice. So uh, any blinders in there, or was it? Obviously, I know for a fact, which we'll cover in a bit. You you like to take a free kick? Many free kicks. There was one I looked. I seen. I seen the other day. I I looked and I, I scored. A, I actually scored a header against. Uh, I scored a header against Portsmouth, which I don't head the ball. I scored a right. I scored a, a right footer against Stoke City. So yeah, I got a 
Bristol City has scored a left foot, so I've had a variety of goals there. But uh, yeah, it was uh, I enjoyed that. There were some good players there, some really good players that went on to be international footballers, and uh, there were some some top top players there. To be honest. So your, ne- your next move in, so you was ninety five to ninety eight at Oxford. How did the uh, move in ninety eight come about to uh, West Brom in the uh, in the football league as well? Who, who took you? Yeah. Dennis Smith was manager then. He, he obviously was at Sunderland when I was younger. Obviously, then he went to Oxford and took me there. And the chance to... I still had a year contract left at, at Oxford. But um, the, the guy who took over was a guy called Malcolm Shotton, which was... A, he was a Geordie guy like me, and I thought we got on really well. But uh, I didn't sort of get on with him in the end because we we, uh, we went on a pre on a mid-season tour to... I think we went to Cyprus, somewhere like that. And... He was, on, he was on about me being like he said, listen, come on, you've got to focus on your football and that. And, but I'd actually lost my, I lost my passport when I was there. So obviously, I, 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 we, wanted to have a clean, we wanted to have a clean slate when before we went. He said, listen, have a nice holiday. We'll have a clean slate and contrary for Britain. Obviously, I, I delayed the whole plane because I lost my passport because I forgot where it was. And me and one of, one of the other lads there. So uh, when, we got, when we got back from there, I think that was the beginning of the end, really. He said, listen, we had an offer from West Brom for you. You might as well go because I'm not going to play, and and, and uh, that was it. So uh, I don't think that holiday helped uh, the lads' Brondon holiday. So I uh, delayed the plane for about three hours. So uh, that didn't help me really. But that's football, isn't it? You move on and you go to the clubs and you do well. And, and fingers crossed. Uh, I, I don't know why at West Brom, but it was it was a big club, massive club of yeah. internationals. There, I, I knew I wasn't going to play a lot when I went, to be honest. But I had Kevin Kilbane who was left winger. Obviously, 100 odd caps for Ireland. Um, James Quinn, who was, I think he played for Peterborough as well, 50 odd caps for Northern Ireland. Um, Lee Hughes, obviously, been, been there, done it, million pound player. There's that many good players there, but I was certainly yeah. 22, 23, still played about 25 games, most of them probably as a sub, but good experience, obviously, uh, living in the area as well. So I enjoyed West Brom, it was good, some good players there. Okay. I got it down here that you actually scored as well for West Brom in that in those twenty five appearances. So yeah, we uh, we played play Watford. I think I think we played Watford in the champion. That was that was the championship then. So yeah, we I think we won two in the Watford. So I played and scored in that. So um, but yeah, there was a I enjoyed that part. I'm still a young lad um, living away from home. So it was um, it was a good contract. It was a good contract for me as well. Good um, financially, it was a good contract for a young lad. So I enjoyed that time there as well. Back back then, was it? Um, you know, did you sort out your own contracts with with teams and pick up the phone, or did you have someone doing it for you? Did you have agents? Yeah, I had an agent actually. That that even though twenty years ago I had an agent there then, so um, he sort of made my move out, and obviously he got me a, a decent contract. Um, obviously, sorted my house up because I bought a house down there, and he sorted all that out. So yeah, it was. Even back then, there was agents on board now, but I think agents nowadays, there's much more to it now because obviously they're dealing with multi-million pound contracts and, and I've got some some uh, contacts in that in that area anyway. So, But the, it's a massive difference now because probably then you need probably 30, 40 players to make a, a good living out as an agent, but now you need one player to get millions from a, con- from a transfer. So, yeah, we had agents then. Yeah, we did. Awesome, mate. So, you, your agent, so... As you said, it probably didn't work out at West Brom like you probably hoped, but then you, you had like um, international competition. Um, you then made the move back up north to Darlington um, yeah. in 2000. 
And um, how was it? Did, did, did you go back home? Yeah, I mean, I wanted I wanted to go back home. I knew Darlington were uh, they were a big club then, to be honest with you. They were they had a new stadium, which was uh, the chairman was bankroll in the club, and um, some some of the money that players were getting paid was uh, was astronomical. And obviously, I had a chance to go back. Even even appearance money for players was like you're talking about a thousand pound appearance money. So I had a chance to go back up there. But the manager who signed me, had signed, and he, he left about. Three hours later, he got sacked. So I literally signed it, signed for Darlington, and the new manager came in. So, uh, <laughs> so the manager, literally, I literally signed the paperwork, and within about three hours, got a phone call saying that he'd left. So, uh, but uh, I could have went up there during transfer deadline. I West Brom were going to let me go. I travelled up to halfway up to Darlington, and uh, Gary Megson just come in as manager, and he wouldn't let me go. He said, "Obviously, I'm not seeing you play." So uh, I got stopped from going deadline day, to be honest. But then I went back in the summer. But uh, it was just one of them things. Manager leaving, I, I still had a contract there. But I, obviously then I stayed there for about six months. And I, I wanted to move away, to be honest. I wanted to didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah. Going back up home, obviously I was... Football in terms, it was a good move. But then I was back at home and I, I was looking for houses again and trying to buy a house. I was still a young lad. Uh, had, had a girlfriend at the time and... Uh, it didn't work out really. The manager coming in and he brings his own players in, so I, I looked to move again. Then I was obviously went on. Did you get many um, many times where the the gaffers would like say going back to the West Brom and such? Um, did, did they say, "Oh, we want to send you out on loan, Mark"? Was that, that ever an option? Yeah, or yeah. Did you sort of fight for your place most of the time. A bit of both, really. I mean, I had a chance to go to Exeter. There was loads of like Bristol Rover, loads of clubs like that. Because um, West Brom were a championship club at the time, so used to, I used to go and if playing reserve game, you'd have a look to see which clubs were there. There was loads of clubs, so I had a chance to go to loads of clubs. But to be honest, I was I was involved in the first team all the time. I've been I, I was sub quite a lot of the time, but obviously I was involved in the first team all the time. So, but uh, there were some, some good players there. Uh, I mean, even as a there's a guy who played really called Enzo Maresca. I think he was I think he was being tipped for the Arsenal job apparently. So, uh, but he was a young lad coming through. I think West Brom paid about. Two million for him, so but there's some top top players there. To be honest, it was a good it was a good club. Yeah. Um, so 2000, 2001 yeah, was Darlington, um, and then <clears throat> I said probably didn't, again didn't work out particularly um, what you wanted it to. Uh, so you then made a, a, a move further up north to Queen of the South in Scotland. Um, Good, good standard. Did you enjoy your time there, or was that another one which probably didn't work out as much? As no, much I, I enjoyed it there. I enjoyed it. But the only thing was, obviously, I went. It was it was semi pro, so I had to give. I was playing full time football and went about goes a semi pro, even though the money was still roughly the same. Just being a professional, going to being a part time football, I found, yeah. and I had that, had that when I went to Kings Lynn as well. When I left Boston, went to Kings Lynn, I found that transition as being full-time footballer and you had to go train every day and you had to to be in part-time footballer to being in two nights a week I found that hard work to be honest to motivate myself to keep fit um, so I enjoyed it there to be honest I did enjoy it there but then I had a chance from Queen and South I got a phone call um, from from Boston from Steve to to come down and speak to Boston so it was uh, it was a good move obviously we'll cover the, the Boston in, in more depth in a bit Um how did the move come about? Did did Steve uh, pick up the phone, or did, was G there scouting, or 
Um, I, I think how it happened is uh, there was a guy, the guy who was at West Brom obviously recommended me to, to Boston. I, I can't remember the name of the guy who was there. Was a, he was a coach at the time, uh, Alan, Alan as he was called. Alan Moose, I think, where he obviously ran me up and said, would you be interested in coming down? And uh, I have to be honest, I had to look where Boston was. I didn't have a clue where it was. I, had to look and think, I, as I said to mum and dad, I said, where's Boston? Where's that? So I didn't have a clue, have a clue where it was. And uh, so obviously... Um, I made the chat. I came down at a chat. Was you presently surprised when you did turn up uh, to the island of Boston? Did you did did you sort of get that feel that it is a big, big non-league club? Definitely, it is. It was a massive club. I mean, when I came down, Boston were in the conference then, and we were probably one of the only two or three clubs that were full time then in the conference. And uh, I knew they were a massive non-league club. Spoke to a few people, and at the time then, Boston was probably one of the biggest non-league clubs in. In, in, in years gone by, a massive club, playing loads of fans in the games. And I mean, I even just looked at a, pop, uh, a game of the day when, when we played Man United in pre-season, it was like nearly four and a half, five thousand there. So, but yeah, it was a ma- I knew it was a massive club, so I obviously went down and met Steve and had a chat in the old Glider Drome offices down there, went and met him in there. So he basically said, this is what I'm going to offer you. If you don't like it, get out and go. That's what he basically said. So <laughs> there's no negotiations. When you just said, take it, I'll leave it, get out. That was it. So yeah. but he said, if you don't want it, off you go. So, but yeah, it was a good, good. I liked it, come down. And I knew a few lads there anyway. I knew Simon Weatherstone was there. Um, Jamie Cook. I knew Ross Weatherstone as well. I knew them boys from Oxford. So and I, knew, and I knew that the club were saying a lot of good players. And we're, going, and we're full-time, I thought it was a great chance for us to win the league because we were full-time, basically. And a lot of other clubs were still semi-pro part-time, so I knew that the club were a massive club and they are putting a lot of money into the club. So, yeah, I'd love to come down. It was a good good choice. Yeah, and I think you, uh, I think that's where you've, you you settled, really, because obviously, look, and you was, you was all over the, the country. Um, obviously, he's trying to settle down again. Um, you settled in, you go non-league, um, semi-pro now, um, 04, 05, uh, which was Kings Lynn, 39 appearances, five goals. Um, you, you said earlier that, you know, that was a weird time of going from full-time football into probably two nights a week. Did, did you, was you a sole person who could motivate yourself to do the extra, which you was doing probably with a group of lads at full-time training or yeah. did you sort of say well it is what it is now I'll be honest because I've been a pro and, and played in the league and then obviously playing in the league of Boston as well and um, when I left Boston Steve said to me listen there's a contract here for you if you want to say another year but I'll be honest I, financially to go to Kings Lynn Kings Lynn were a massive club then and uh they offered me a two-year contract, basically. So that was the, that was the, and it was only down the road as well. I still obviously lived in the area still as well. So it was, but I didn't enjoy going doing part semi-pro football again. Even though I was captain of Kingsley for for a lot of that time as well, and I, I, played, I had a really good good time there. But I didn't like the transition from going full-time football to part-time again because you, you say on Monday, yeah, I'm going to do one Monday, but you don't. You go, I'll, I'll wait till Tuesday and train Tuesday. So. I found it hard like that. Well, other other players probably not, but I found the mentality 
trying to train twice a week and try and keep yourself fit. I found that I found that hard work to be honest with you. So especially when I've been used to when you when you joined Lima, did you have to pick up um work? Obviously not being a full time footballer, did you pick up work or was you all right with the contract that you was on at the time? I'll be honest, yeah, I was basically getting paid the I was basically getting paid the same as I was getting Boston full time. So but then I started to look at thinking I need to go down the the coaching route and get on the coaching badges and do that route then. So um but I knew I was at King's in for two years and I knew then I asked I was what 30, 31, 32, or 33 I knew I had to start thinking about doing something different and then that's when I went down the, the coaching route and and got obviously got the badges and then so uh, yeah that's what I love to do then after that um, and then from from Lynn you had um, a spell a, a loan spell at Cambridge uh, you had a loan spell at Stanford which again is local and a loan spell at Whiz Beach yeah um, uh, how how was that obviously we've had a few of the guests on who have played at Whiz Beach how did you find them in particular um, I, I liked it, me to be honest with you. I mean, look, going back to Cambridge, that was basically going from part-time football to going back to full-time football again. I, I didn't want to do it to be honest because I had a bit of a cushy night doing two nights a week. But Cambridge, was, Cambridge was full-time again. So, uh, but going to Wisbeach, I, I liked it because uh, I think Dick, Dick Creasy is a local lad, and Boston Boston lad. He got me yeah. to. I got him well with Dick to be fair, and he and uh, I liked Wisbeach. I liked there's some good lads there. Um, I thought it was a good club, um, but I ended up going back to Stanford then, and Stanford was a, a big club at the time as well. That was a really big club with some some good players with Graham Drury there. So we got a, we got a promotion there as well. So I only stayed at Wisbech not long, but the, some of the lads that played there, like um, I think obviously local lads like Apsty, that would be he was a, he was captain. I think he was he was top player. He was good lad. He was. Um, Danny Hussey played as well. Uh, he was—he's obviously a local Spalding lad. He was—he was a good player. But there's some really good, there's some really good lads locally, like Wisbech, who played Wisbech, who were some, some top players there. To be fair, it was, good, uh, it was a big club. I thought at the time it was a, it was a good club. Yeah, and then um, you you made the transfer to to this. Um, obviously, correct me if these clubs aren't aren't the, um, the ones you actually played for. Then you went to Mildenhall. Um, Newmarket Town, Bourne Town, and then you uh, you finished up at Spalding United. Um, again, still quite local to the area. Yeah. Um, how was it travelling to Disc? That was about twenty five hours a day. That was travelling over there. That was an absolute nightmare. That was that was in the middle of that was that was miles away. That was but it was, a, it was a, we had a car school from I think was we picked one up from Spalding and there uh, so. That was a that was a long trek that was, but that was a good that was a good club as well. Some good lads there who I still keep in touch with now. Um, that was a good club and got to Mildenhall as well. Um, I had a had a spell there as well, but I think when I played there, I think I went to Newmarket and I think it was about twenty goals I scored. I was playing as a striker there, enjoyed that, but I was I sort of getting to the I just thought I didn't want to do it anymore. I was I was travelling to Newmarket. Um, I had an issue with the contract. They, they they offered me a contract to like a staying up bonus if we stayed in the league and they were financially looking after us, but they never did. So I left there and uh, I was top scorer, but I sort of didn't want to play football. I, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I used to then, the travelling and things like that. And uh, I just wanted to to do something else. I went to in pre-season and obviously I was starting coaching then. I was doing my coaching badges and doing coaching then. So I didn't really want to have the commitment to 
going Tuesday, Thursday training and playing on the Saturday when I could do me own coaching then and I started getting into coaching then and that's what I've done. So I enjoyed it. So that was probably the Spalding pre-season was probably the, that was the final. I probably couldn't even play in the walking football team. Man, I mean, the, no, Boston, no, Boston got a walking football team. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I get in that squad. <laughs> I, oh, I don't know. We might be able to find a squeeze of place for you. Um, if not, my over 35s are always uh, always looking. Um, <laughs> all everywhere. So, you what, sorry, Cooks? I said there's football everywhere now. It doesn't stop. There's, does it? Yeah, there's football everywhere, especially with us coming back. Um, all, all systems go. But um, when, when you was at this town, was, was that, I, I could be getting the areas wrong here, was, was AD there? AD Hayes? Because I don't um, know if was there. Yeah, yeah, I think it meant just before that, I think. Just before that, there was a guy called... Uh, he was actually manager of Wisby Chaps. He's called Richard. Uh, Richard, oh, what was he called? He was a crazy bloke. He was manager of Wisby for a bit, and then he went to this as manager. But he, he did his team tour. He, he, he did his team tour, and he just kept looking at me. And go, what do you think, then? What do you think? And I said, well, you're the manager. He get back. He's doing. He right, we'll speak the day about the game, and he go right, Mark. What do you think? And I said, well, I'm playing. You're the manager. So he was a he was like a 15 year old coach. Uh, Running a team and he was asking everybody. You was find t- that though, like, later in your career, when you was going to these teams, did you, did you think that sometimes the, the gaffers were turning towards you to seek to seek your approval because you've been ex pro full time yeah. and more experienced head in the dressing room? Did they did they sort of want that support from you? Yeah, I, I like I like they did like say when. Uh, when I was at Kings Inn, Tommy Taylor was obviously Boston manager. He was, uh, I was there when Tommy was there, and he made me captain. And he liked to get me on, get me involved, and get me on board. But uh, I think he, 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 he obviously made me captain. And about six months later, he tried to get, he tried to get me. I think that was, I was sort of Kings Inn reserves against down the market for one game. He said you have to go in the reserves. I said because obviously I was on a contract, and Cambridge came in for me. I didn't want to go because I didn't want to go full time football again. He said, listen, we need you now because. Uh, Obviously, you're on a contract, and we can get you off the, the wage bill. But I didn't want to go, so now I was travelling to from being first team captain in front of a thousand people to sub for the reserves at Roxton Town and places like that. So, uh, but uh, it was what it was. Obviously, you wanted me to go, you didn't want me to stay because the club obviously wanted me to get, get me off the wage bill. So uh, that was interesting. I should have I should have retired then, I think. Yeah. So when when you sort of reflect back on uh, on on it all on the on the pro career, is there a certain point at point that you can probably pinpoint where you thought, "I wish I'd done that different." Yeah, or, that... or, you, or do you have no regrets about it? It is how it's panned out for a reason. I, I, I'll be honest. I think I think the big part of the game now is the the mental side of the game, and I think that's massive now. And I think. Mentally in the game, the, the level I played, that was a good level. And if I'd been men- maybe a bit mentally stronger or had people I could speak to and you haven't had a good game, you just have to get on with it. Whereas now I think the top players, the young players, get a lot of support. And I think the mental side of the game, my opinion, I think I'd say it's probably 80% mental, 20% ability now. I, I, that's my opinion. I think if you're mentally at, at, at the races and you're on your game and you're positive and, men- and your mental approach is good, I think you can you can more or less play against anybody but when you're, you're mentally not focused and you're mentally I think it's a massive part of the game now and I think it's uh, it's tough for any, any young players coming through but the top level players are the ones that keep going at the top level all the time so I think the mental side of it I didn't enjoy sometimes because it was a, a lot of pressure on young players 
and been in the yeah. team, on the team, and then three weeks out of the team not playing, and you end up not training properly. And so it's, it's, it's a massive part of the game. I think the mental side of it. I think that's why the top level clubs have got so much foundations in in and around all the players now because that getting that extra 10 percent out of a player might be a, a 20 million pound move for somebody so i think it's a big part of the game now which i i, I would like a bit more help with so it's, it's a they say young lad not playing then you're playing one week and you're the best player on the team then you get dropped but uh funny enough, I had, I had this, when i was at boston um neil thompson offered me obviously i played i got him well in here but he offered me a contract and and um, it's when I come out of the England semi-pro with Boston, he, he offered me a contract and uh, me and Simon both paid in that game, but he offered us a contract and the contracts were different. And and um, I went from playing every week to not even being in the squad and being travelling the reserves. And so it affects you. It affects you something when you used to play and someone says, I don't want you to play you or I don't like you or I don't want you in the team. Or, so it's, it's, it affects not just the... The, the the young players it affects all levels of football as now I think it's a tough I think it's mental side of football is massive I think yeah well obviously we're going to cover I know actually on on the list um so the cookie in 2002 Mark actually represented England team with, along with Simon Weatherston uh, was during his Boston days which is a massive achievement um <laughs> so uh, you know kudos um you know it's how, how was it? Who who else sort of got called up into that team? Was it? Did did you recognise a lot of the, the boys because you was playing in week in? Week yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think there was a lot of them. Obviously, Yeover were a good, were a big club then at the time. There was a few of their lads. There was uh, Dagenham Redbridge. There was a few of their lads. So um, it was good. How, that, how, was, how was the Dagenham boys with you? They're not great to be honest with you, but uh, we had it really late out in Peter Brown. I'll tell, go into and tell you about it. But uh, it was it was brilliant for me and Simon because we'd won the league then, and obviously the game, one of the games was I think we played Scotland, which was at York Street, and for us to go back to play at Boston's Ground at the end of the season to play for England, it was uh, it was a brilliant experience. Let's say yeah, it wasn't the the England full men's team in the at Wembley, but the play for England and through at Boston where we won the league and there was loads of Boston fans there. Um, it was really good and, and yeah, it was a it was a proud moment for me because my parents came down and things like that. So it was good. It was good. Good timing. Who, who, who was who was managing the England CT? Um, I, I can't remember now. You know, I can't remember. But uh, we had like four games in the tournament and. Uh, I think I played two or three, but actually in one of the games I got, I came off ill, but I ended up having chicken pox. Obviously I was, I was like 30 years old and I thought I was dying with it. I had chicken pox. So I got chicken pox one of the, on one of the games. So uh, it, it affected me, but all the lads were good. We had a, we had a team. We went out in Peterborough on a night out because we, we stayed in Peterborough hotel and we, all the Scottish lads we played against were all out on a night out in Peterborough. So it was a, uh, it was a good night that was. I don't you get away with the night out now with what we were up to and then we were we were out till five o'clock hotels and everything. It was mad. Honestly, it was madness. But um that was that was good. That was a good night out that football how football's evolved. Definitely. Uh, didn't didn't take much on the mental side that time though, Mark, did it? Definitely not that. That was a good night out, That was a good night out. Yeah. it was good. It was a good time that was. It was good to to represent me currently. It was really good. Um, and then coming away from the game, uh, we're going to swing back to the Boston uh, glory days in a minute. Um, so you um, you come away, as you said, you've, you've been doing your coaching, you'd recognise that you need to get your badges done, um, still keep a bit of a career in the game. 
Yeah. Um, you ended up uh, getting the managerial job at Boston Town. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, that lasted until Feb 16th. Um, I think you left due to a few family commitments. But how was your time at, at town? How was... How it came about is um, I've still got my house in Boston that, I, that, I've, that I've got and still there now. And obviously, um, the, the chairman obviously involved at the, at the club obviously asked me at the time if I wanted to get involved. And in hindsight, if I'm being totally honest, I probably shouldn't have got involved because um, I had a young family. I had, let's say, I had young children, and uh, it was a it was a busy time. It was a busy time for me. So. It was. I found. I found it hard. The commitment as well from. Let's say I was travelling to go to training, and you couldn't get. At the time then, there was a lot of players who were local players, and my argument was you should have lots of local Boston lads who would come and play the Boston Town for nothing. They would do to just to go and play. Yeah. But uh, that was my issue. We had players coming from Grimsby, and and uh, I, I just didn't agree with it sometimes. And I mean, I think one of the games we played in the, uh, the Senior Cup, we played the Blackstones in a game, and. We had, we had like 11 players and this was bearing in mind this is a chance to go and play at Lincoln City's ground and we had we didn't even have any players we had no subs I mean I think I, I think I was sub and I hadn't played for about eight years and I thought I'm giving up my time for this and we, we got a chance to play a cup final in the, in the league ground where I played many times and I just thought we didn't get the commitment off the players and um, I just found it difficult and like I said I, I you, you may or may not remember this but um the gaffer I used to uh, a coach alongside, um, Giles, his name is, um, he ran Leverton. Uh, and I can remember one night, um, he was he, he messaged me saying, uh, Lewis, uh, absolutely buzzing. We're going to get, a pre- we've got a pre-season game against Boston Town. I was like, give over, not a chance. He says, yeah, we have. Mark, Mark Angels agreed to play as in pre-season. I was like, all right, fair dues. Like, good challenge for the boys. And um, I think the pinch one of the players in that. I think the pinch one of the players. Yeah, and, and I think the, the funny thing was, it goes. Uh, we got to the game, and the, the person who was sort of letting us all in, he says, "Mark's Mark's had an absolute merit. He thinks he's playing Leverington." <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. But I, I still yeah. remember that day. I think you only had one sub. I think, yeah. as you said, you were struggling to get local boys. And um, obviously, shout out to Fordy. Because Fordy, I, I'd been on to Fordy uh, pre-season saying, oh, come, come to us, mate. You know, we're going to be, I think it was in Division 1 at the time. Come to us. You're going to be the spine of the team. Probably sold him the dream like Leverton was Disneyland. And he came. And he played one game. Well, no, I think he played two games. Next yeah. game, Mark Angel's got his arm round and saying, come and play for me, son. Like this. He's gone the next week. He was, uh, he was what a player he was. He, I thought he was a brilliant player. He was a top lad as well. But yeah, he had loads of good lads there. He had like uh, Ian Jacko, he had uh, Alan Hyde, he was there. He was top player. He, he should have been He should have been playing the league. He should have been, to be fair. Um, he had Jordan. Did you have Crash? Crash, top lad. Yeah, he was top, top centre half. He was. We had the nucleus of a, of a really good squad. Like uh, Craig Parker was there, left back. He was, he was one of the best players I've seen. Honestly, he could have he could have played top level. He could have been. He was he was such a good player. Really, really um, great left foot. Lefties stick together, Mark, don't they? Definitely, he, he was a player. He was, but uh, we had some good players there. Some good local players there. Obviously, all being ex-Boston United players there as well. So there was a nucleus of a really good club there. But 
like I said before, bringing lads in from the other side of Peterborough and not getting local, paying lads really good money to come from Grimsby and uh, there's a lot of good local lads there who would have paid for nothing really and, that, and the, the wage bill was really, but then you've got Lakes of Holditch and that coming in and taking two or three of the players and offering them silly money to go and I just thought it was a good club, that, that could be a massive club, that could be, could be a really good club um, but uh, that, that's what it was, I, I decided to after the Blackstones game, we had we had eleven players. I had Terry Fleming, who was Terry Fleming was about eighty six. Remember Terry Fleming who played for Lincoln? He was about eighty six then, and he was playing right back, and he was our best player. And uh, I had Jason uh, Calabi. Remember Jason Calabi? Who's uh, I think he's I think he's yeah, over. Yeah. He, he was my he came in as my assistant, really good lad, and even he played in that game. And, like Jason was like forty five, Terry's like eighty, and I thought why do I bother? And I just thought I didn't need I didn't need to do it, and. Uh, but it was a shame, really. Like I said, I had a young, had three, I had a young family as well. I just got married as well, so I, I just couldn't commit to doing it. And uh, it was, it was a shame, really, because uh, it's got potentially a really big club that has. But I just had to put my family first, and I didn't want to do all the travelling again. And uh, some of them games were like other side of Leicester, and like we're travelling other side of Leicester, which is two hours away, trying to get a squad for that. They were like playing at home, but then trying to get the Grimsby lads to travel to Leicester Navarra, which is about. Three hours, it's, it's, it's pointless. So, as you said, you, you had a good nucleus, obviously, including Fordy in the end, of, of local players, very yeah. good players. Like Alex Beck, you, you're around. Alex Beck was a top player as well, really good and, player. Yeah, and you know, Parks as well. And it was that that was the good side. But the thing is, the UCL is very grueling, and you need a squad, you can't just yeah. rely on the 11 players. Um, you know, people getting kicked left, right, and centre. Um, which, in fact, that's going to come up when we cover the Boston stuff right now. Um, so that was your uh, managerial days, um, uh, Don and Dust. Like you said, you, you've gone into coaching. You, you've been Arsenal soccer schools, Leicester, um, for four years. I think you said just off camera before we got on, and it, you, you're now at Peterborough. Um, what, who do you work with? with Peterborough, are you doing a bit of scouting for him? Or? Yeah, do, do a bit of scouting. I mean, uh, I, I like that side of the game now. I, I like the, not so much the manager, and I, I had a go at that. I didn't even want to do it, to be honest with you. I didn't want to do it in the first place. I was sort of not pushed into it, but I like the recruitment side of it now. I like the the, the talent ID side of it now. So I've been involved in that. I've been involved in that with Leicester for about four or five years. Got some good academy boys there. And funny enough, the, the goalkeeper was at Peterborough. Um, tell you a story about him quickly. The Nadine goalkeeper was saying for Aston Villa, uh, Sam Proctor. Yeah, that's him, yeah. He was, a, he, was a, he was a left back for me when I was doing my Arsenal programme. He was playing left back, and uh, his dad kept saying to me, he kept saying, he wanted to go and go. And I said, just let him go and go. And his dad kept saying, he's not a goalkeeper, he's not a goalkeeper. But he used to, be, he used to go and play in goal, and he was really good. But anyway, he went to, he went to Peterborough. Obviously, Peter was saying him, and obviously, I still speak to his dad now. He's local. He's, I think he's a. Uh, he lives, he lives in Boston, lives in, I think he went to Boston Park School, I think, and uh, when I went to Peterborough not long ago, obviously I went to Peterborough and moved over there, asking his dad, I said, I told you he was a goalkeeper, didn't I? Because obviously Man City were after him, and, uh, and it, I, I, said, I said, I told you he was a goalkeeper, I should just let him play where he wants, but that just proves that there's some, there's some good talented players there, but for him to go from playing left-back as a grassroots player to be the goalkeeper in the Premier League club now, so there's loads of clubs watching him, I mean Leicester, that was my job at Leicester, to try and uh, Try and get him over to Leicester. I know Leicester were keen on signing him. Uh, they were very keen on signing him, but it was a funny thing because they were interested in the size of the goalkeepers and had to be 
six foot four and had to the one who needed to be grounded to six foot four goalkeeper. So yeah. that's what that's what I was having to look for and I had to look at pictures of his family and look at pictures of how big he's gonna be and the rough estimate and uh, but um he's obviously not a bad goalkeeper. We've got Man City and Chelsea and, and Aston Villa looking at looking at you. So uh, that was just a story that I had had about him when he was he was a Boston lad. Yeah, we um, we obviously know we, me and Cookie know Sam quite well because he comes and watches his dad. His dad's goalkeeper, from my yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, if he's anything like his dad, I, well, hopefully it's probably going to be better. Um, I don't think Aidy will admit to that, but um, yeah, they're going to be. He's going to be a top top goalkeeper yeah, um, yeah. if he's like his dad. Anyway, it's a, um, a lot of commitment for him now. I know I speak to his dad and he's. It's a lot of commitment being at that level, but I think he's, he's when I spoke to him, he's travelling over to Villa Park to like two, three times a week at Aston Villa. So I think Leicester would have been a good move for him, really, because it's Leicester's academy now is in Loughborough, so it would have been straight the other way down past past that way down Lincoln. So it would have been a probably better move, but yeah, he's a top keeper. And I think I think I think he'd be 18, 19, I think you might see him in the Premier League playing games, I think. Top goalkeeper. Fingers crossed, it'd be it would be fantastic to see. Um so, Boston days. So, obviously, in 2000, 2001, we made the move down. Um, contract, take it or leave it by uh, Mr. Evans. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, we've, we've covered that you didn't know where Boston was. Uh, you soon found out where it was. Um, mm. You know, to come in, you know, and have a season like you did have must have been an absolute dream come true. Um, just before we get into the stories and everything, Mark, I'll, I'll just do the um, the stats, your stats throughout the uh, years at Boston. Um, yeah, yeah. Courtesy of, courtesy of Christian James at Boston United Stats on Twitter. Uh, as always, thank you, Christian, for the stats. Um, so, Mark Angel stats, 2001-2002, um, 26 appearances, 10 a sub, 4 goals. And this season, Mark, it appears that you only like to score at home. So you scored at, against Hayes at home, Woking home, Telford home and Fomborough. Yeah, I, remember, um, I remember that. Yeah, you must have been sub on away games. Probably, I was probably, sub, I was probably taken off after about 50 minutes and I'm an away game. So uh, it was too common for me to travel. And I like the home games when I have to travel. But uh, <laughs> I, I, that is good start, that. Uh, 2002 to 2003, you made 29 appearances, seven sub, uh, six goals, uh, and they came this season. You did score away from home. Uh, Yeovil home, South End away, Bournemouth away, Torquay away, South End at home, Cambridge away. Now I've got on my list here. How did you find the travelling? Because that some of them, South End, Bournemouth, Torquay. Um, which you all scored away from home is miles away. How, how was it? Oh, it was absolutely traveling to away games for that amount of uh, absolutely, yeah, it was horrific. But when I played at Darlington, we played South End away, that was eight hours on the bus. That was, um, that was eight hours. So, uh, speaking, speaking on them games, speaking on them games, what I scored against Bournemouth, I've searched everywhere to get that goal. And I can't find it. I can't find anywhere. It was it was about a forty yard shot I scored from against Bournemouth. I just I've looked everywhere on the internet for it, and I just can't find it. I've looked everywhere, and I, and I looked and thought, 
Bournemouth were in the Premier League obviously last season and uh, in, in, it's crazy isn't it where, where Boston could have been if it just had the right, the right things happen at the right times and obviously the stadium they've got now and you can build on that but uh, I've searched everywhere to get find that goal on YouTube and I just cannot find it anywhere so do you know anyone I seem, think, I seem to think Bournemouth was the first ever game for Boston in the Football League I think that, we played yeah, that was a home, and you, you look at that both football league clubs, and to see where Bournemouth have went, and the amount of money they're signing players for 20, 30 million, and things like that—it's crazy, isn't it? But uh, even when Boston won the league club, it was a, it was a massive. It was great for the town. Obviously, I still even when I go down there, I sometimes go shopping with a with a wife and kids. We, we we pop into town and just go go have a walk through, and I still speak to people now from twenty years ago, and you still it's it's amazing how people still remember the football times of it, and. It was, it was a really good time for the club that when the club was full time, yeah. you were getting three, four thousand fans in the grounds, and it's a, it's a shame that the club couldn't keep that stability and be in the league because let's say your all the youth foundation that you've got, all the the school stuff that you're doing, all the other stuff that you're doing, it's, it's that that'll be the envy of many league clubs. That what you guys do, and obviously the community thing of it, it's a really good part to do there. And it's just a just a shame the club aren't in the in the football league full time to get even more to get even more fans on board and get even more publicity for uh, for what you guys do as well and uh, get that more get a bigger fan base but Boston's always been known as a good non-league club but for us to get into the league and be a league club that was, that's, that was massive that was when you look at some of the clubs in the yeah. conference like Knox County and teams and Chesterfield and I mean we, we were league two then and, and I looked at some of the game beating beating Grimm's beating Lincoln at home beating beating Scunthorpe comfortably I watched the YouTube goals the videos of them we were probably with the best best Lincolnshire team Probably better than Lincoln, yeah. better than Scunthorpe as well. So, um, fingers crossed that can turn again one day. Fingers, they're trying. Oh boy, they're trying. Um, 2003, 2004, 13 appearances, 11 a sub, one goal at uh, home to Cheltenham. Um, in total, you played 96, you made 96 appearances, 68 uh, starts, 28 sub, and you scored 11 goals for the Pilgrims. And here, here's a good stat for you. Um, you played every game from Hayes at home in September of 2001 through to the end of the season with win away at Hayes for the conference title. Um, unbelievable, seeing as you was a left winger who probably got smashed, um, where it, obviously the game was physical. Yeah. Um, so that's an unbelievable stat. Um, Christian also liked to put in, because every footballer loves it, you, you were named... Um, Squad number number eleven in 0304 season, um, which is standard for a left winger, um, and only Paul Bastock, Paul Ellender, Mark Clifford, and Daryl Clare played more games in 2001 2002. League team new, so that is unbelievable. Yeah, I, I don't mind being don't mind being behind them boys there. Them boys that you mentioned, Daryl and uh, Baza. I don't mind being behind them boys because they were top lads. They were top lads as well. Really good lads. Yeah. yeah. I, I looked at it, and to be fair, I, me being a fan, uh, majority of my life, um, uh, Mark Clifford did always put a shift in, to be fair. He was consistently um, a fullback. Yeah. Um, you know, we're mentioning, we're, we're dropping names left, right, and centre of the, you know, the, the glory days for the, the, the club. <clears throat> um, you know, like Paul Bastock. I'll tell you a little story about Bazaar. We, uh, obviously, we all, we all signed pretty much the same time. We've got about 12 or 30 new players. We all turned up to try, we all turned up to the ground. 
Then we all stood there. We thought, everyone's looking around each other. Didn't really know each other. I knew some of the lads anyway. And then I see this guy come in uh, with like a, like a wig, a long mouth. He came and I thought, who the effing hell is this? And it was only Bazaar. He, 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 he had a wig on like that, about down like a hippie. And then the next time we see him, he had no hair. Honestly, he was unbelievable. And we're like, but who's this guy? Yeah, but uh, we thought, who's this joker? Yeah, but he was... Uh, I mean, I still keep in touch with Paul now, and I still, I still get on well with him now. So, but what a goalkeeper he was! But uh, just, just a story of him coming in with a wig on like that, and everyone started laughing. You could tell it was a thought like a, you could tell it was a wig, and he, he took it on. Well, he was, he was trying to get everyone just to relax and everyone get on well with each other and have a bit of a laugh. because we all, like, say we had players who were part-time players, players who were coming in as full-time players, and he brought the ice with everybody really, and that was a, it was good for team spirit. That was, it was brilliant. Uh, Buzz, what a top, top goalkeeper. Um, so, you know, how that's that season in particular, um, you know, I, I didn't, I watched the, the Hayes game today um, back on YouTube. So uh, I think it was Christian, actually, Christian James. He's put uh, like a montage highlights in the interview. Yeah. After. It's fantastic. It gives you goosebumps. If, you, if you're a Boss United uh, through and through supporter like myself, you know, you get, the hair standing up on your your arm, and yeah. it's unbelievable. Just so much, you know, pride. Um, well, you, you, could see, you could see. You could see. You could see. I mean, we obviously went got the bus down there from, and we knew that. Not being big-headed, we knew that we would win that game. To be honest with you, probably not when yeah. because he got sent off. We thought it was going to be tough, but. We knew they were near the bottom. We were near, we were at top. We, we were that confident with the players we had. But even just driving down to the ground, you could even on the motorway, you could see all the Boston cars going down. And and I mean, I played at some big clubs in front of 30,000 West Midlands derbies. And when we seen all them fans, all them Boston, probably four thousand, five thousand Boston fans, all outside that ground, everyone on the bus looked at each other and went, Jesus Christ. I mean. I got goosebumps thinking that, and I watched it not long ago, to be fair. I watched it probably about a month ago, that, and seeing all them fans there outside the ground, it was, it was, it was amazing. It was, uh, Lead, leading up, leading up to that, Mark, we had, um, we had a couple of spells, and this was like, Cookie was very, very young. What did you say earlier today? He was about four, wasn't he? Right. What year is this? 2001. He was about 20, wasn't he? 20. 2001, I'd have been about three. 20. Yeah. Ouch. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, you had, obviously, it was unheard of for Sky to cover non-league yeah. games. Um, you know, I think BT pick up conference games now, but it was the buzz around the, the town and, and everything in regards to being on. Because um, I think you had, you got covered Dagnum away, and I think yeah. you lost in, in Sky. Yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, Gary Oldham did Larry Large, didn't he? Bless him. Yeah, he did. He got his come up and Sydney, to be fair. So, him, him and Steve got on well, didn't they? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. What what actually made me went to? Uh, so, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think they were expecting to win the there. What was the. Um, you spoke about pressure and mental side. Didn't you yeah. feel extra pressure being televised? Um, probably not to be honest with you because I mean I think having all them fans there knew that we had to do it and I think everyone was confident and it was like a home game they had probably about 50 fans there and we had 4,000, 5,000 whatever it was 
And then I think if we went down there and it wasn't on Sky and maybe there wasn't so many Boston fans then, it was like a, a run of the mill game. Um, we might have found quite challenging, but obviously we'd all we'd all done well all season. I think the the momentum was what we were on. We were on good form in the players that we had in do that you, team. Do you personally think? When, when you're travelling to Hayes, and I, I still remember travelling in my dad's car, um, and I, I had some mates who I was playing probably grassroots with at the time, and you're, you're travelling in, and you just see this sea of orange and black, you know, yeah. black and amber, and I, I think I, I even remember somebody up a lamppost near the outside this pub just swinging Boston scarves around. At that time, I thought, wow, this is massive. This is huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was massive. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest games I've played in. Yeah, how how do you as a player, how do you sort of, do you, do you just have to soak it up? And obviously the noise in the stadium um, as you're getting warmed up. Yeah. Does it give you that extra 10%? I mean, I mean what, even when we're just warming up, I can remember, I, mean, I think I was, uh, I might even have been, that's a double Claire stand and I was looking around, everywhere you look, it was just full of Boston fans. You could see, can you see how much it meant to the town as well, and how much of a lift they were going to have one going to football league? And uh, like I say, we we knew we had to deliver really. But like with, with Cosy getting sent off as well, down to ten men, we thought, okay, here we go. But we were still comfortable in that game. To be honest with you, we were still comfortable. We had we, we had probably four or five really good chances. I had an overhead kick that went away, so we were comfortable. Yeah, but yeah, it was it was amazing. That was one of the best experiences of my football career. Is Going into that ground and seeing all them fans and knowing how much they wanted to do well, and everyone had travelled from Boston to bow down. There was there was young children there, there was nan and granddads there, there was groups of girls there, there was boys on the run with all the bottles of stuff. So it was the whole it looked like the whole community, but had, had left Boston to bow down there, and it was uh, it was it was brilliant, great. I remember, I remember going in and they were sort of confiscating the uh, drumsticks, uh, even though yeah, yeah. It, it didn't really make a difference to the noise level anyway that day um, and you know my, my mates they were climbing up <laughs> I'm trying to see yeah, yeah. luckily it's a fuzzy picture but they're climbing up on the back back fencing um, yeah. and it was just constant noise throughout the game obviously Simon Weatherston good mate of yours from the Oxford days yeah. um, opens the uh, opens the scoring um, smashes it into the roof of the net as you say you had the overhead kick which would have been just icing on the cake. Cosby got sent off, which Nightmare. anybody knows Peter Costello is probably one of the most professional people within the game. Yeah. Um, and where I was stood that day, I was right in front of that. One, he got took out. Yeah, he did. Two, Cosby would never swear at a referee. He would never get sent off for dissent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was an absolute shambles. And, and the, the story actually behind that decision because I actually had a word I actually got to speak to the referee and um, it was really weird we took some of our community sides um, on a trip to Anfield in Goodison yeah yeah the second part of the trip so Goodison was first who treated us really nice and then we went across to the uh, uh, red side and it started raining and you know they were a bit funny they were a bit different Everton's a family club that you know live a yeah. bit more corporate it, it, that's in my eyes. But we waited and we, we did the tour um, of Anfield. And just before we was just going to go down the steps, touch the sign, even though I wouldn't do because uh, I don't support them. Um, 
this guy stops and he says, where are you guys from? He, we went and all the kids were shouting, Boston, we're Boston United. And he goes, oh, I've, I've got a bit of a, um, a connection with you guys. And I thought, I'm thinking, you what? And it was actually, I found his name out earlier today. It's Steve Brand. He's the referee. He says, I was the referee the day um, you got promoted at Hayes. And I still have Mr. Evans's champagne in my living room. And I went, Hold on a minute, man. I'm not bothered about the champagne. Let's, let's discuss about Cos's red card. That was classic. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. I've got a quick story I'll tell you about. We played a game, a couple of games before the end of the season, and uh, James Gold was on there. He was on corners in there. One of the games, he, he put a, he put a corner, he put a corner, and he hit the first man. And Steve Evans was in the stand, and he come, he could see he's, he was missed coming out of his eight. He was going absolutely crazy. So anyway, he runs down to the dugout because I think he was banned from the dugout. I think he runs down to the dugout, and he said to me, "He goes, Mark, don't get on them, get on them corners." So anyway, I thought, oh my God, I'm under pressure. Yeah. So anyway, we get to corner two minutes later. I'm, I'm looking around, I'm thinking, don't hit that first man. Whatever you do, don't hit that first man. And I hit the corner. First man headed it away like that. And I thought, oh my, and I, I could hear Steve Evans. He come running down the stand to have a go. He actually tripped on the bottom step and fell over. Obviously, I couldn't believe it. So uh, that's, that led me on to uh, do, doing the free kick at Hears. Obviously, I was on the free kick and I thought, oh my God, I've got to put a good free kick in there because I had that in my head that he was going to slaughter me. So I was happy to be playing on the other side away from Steve because he, uh, he used to slaughter me. So, uh, but I, I liked, he uh, wasn't everyone's cup of tea, to be honest, but I, I liked him there and I got a well with him. So uh, that, was that, that was that corner story that I thought I'm on the free kicks, yeah, and I thought I'm going to be absolute crucified if I don't put this ball in. And the and the free kick, oh my days! You know the the free kick. Watching it back again, you know I, I can see it without even watching it. Um, you know you the how much whip you actually put onto the ball yeah. and it floats. And I, I believe it's Ray Warburton's first touch of the game. He's just yeah. come on as a sub after the red card. Um, and what a bullet edit! And again, um, everyone was getting crushed. Everyone was going crazy. Uh, see a black in amber. Jumping up and down, you know, yeah. one of the best ever, best ever games I've ever been to. Amazing Atmosphere, you know, jumping on the pitch afterwards, chasing after players, trying to get, trying to get, yeah. I don't know, piece of grass or whatever, um, match ball um, or whatever. Um, how how was it? You know, sort of. Yes, one winning, getting promoted, um, successful season, obviously with your England C call up as well. Um, but to do it with that team, with the players, obviously, who you're good friends with. Because, you know, Ross Weatherston was in the squad, and I, I was a big fan of Ross. I yeah. know he suffered with injuries, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he could have he could have probably gone on a, a, a little bit higher if he yeah. could stay injury-free. Obviously, Simon um, would probably say, people would say Simon was pick of the bunch because he played more games. And he yeah. was consistent as well. Um but you know that that day, so you can, you can discuss the players in a minute. But you know the team starting team was Paul Bastock, Mark Clifford, Jim Rodwell, yeah. um, who's now got a lovely seat behind Sir Alex Ferguson on FA Cup days. Um, Paul Ellender, James Gould, uh, Peter Costello, Simon Weatherston, Simon Rusk, um, yourself, Mark Angel, Neil Townsend, 
who would probably have been the one guy I probably forgot about that day. No, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Um, and Daryl Clare up top, and obviously the subs were Jamie Cook, Nick Conroy, the goalkeeper, Andy Lodge, Ant Eldon, Ray Walkson. Now I looked at that team, I thought that's a successful team. I know it's a successful team, but how many left-footed people did Steve Evans have at the club? Good left-footed players. Yeah, some good. Goldie was a good player. James Gold was really good. I, I got on well with James. We went on holiday, obviously, when we are with Boston. We went away together, obviously, with the lads. We went abroad. Uh, Lodgy, good left foot. Still speak to him to this day. Really good player as well. Obviously, myself. Uh, Neil Tarr, I think he was left foot as well. Neil Town, I think he was, he was decent. I come from a good... He came from Villa, from Villa I think he came from. But, uh, yeah. He was... We had some good players. Jamie Cook. Jamie Cook. Jamie Cook was your competition, was he? I'm, I'm, I'm probably guessing on the yeah, he, side. He was, he was a young lad coming through when I was at Oxford, and I was doing well at Oxford. He was a young lad. There was a lot of, there was a lot of talk about him going really high. So, but he could have got, he could have done better for himself. Could have if he, he, uh, he was so laid back, but uh, he was such a talented player, really good lad as well. Really, I mean, all the, all the lads that, that were there at the time, every single one got on well. Um, we all we socialised together. We went out together. Um, it was. I mean, we had a, even even. Remember Jez Murphy? Can you remember Jez? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He didn't play a lot, but he obviously on big. He was all probably on big money when he was there, but he didn't play. But him and Steve, uh, he was like he was. Everyone loved him. I mean, Steve. Even though he knew he probably shouldn't try to get him out of the club because he was obviously on the most money and he wasn't playing. But even Steve liked him. I remember one of the games they were sort of. He wanted, he wanted Jess to do well, but he was meant to come on a sub for one of the games. He left his shirt in the changing room and Steve was going absolutely crazy at him. But even Jess, who didn't play a lot, everyone got on well. Everyone from Nick Conway, the goalkeeper, to Baza, to Daz, to Mark Mon and uh, Paul Allen. Such a good group of players. I remember Jez. Um, it, it could have been the, that day with the shirt, actually. I... He was the first ever person in the game. It was done the other week, I think, in the Premier League. Um, Jez come on, and about a couple of minutes later, he got subbed off. Yeah. And that, that's probably one of the reasons behind it then. Uh, yeah, he had to I'll, I'll just tell you one quick story. I was, I've wrote a couple of stories down. Obviously, kept them kept them clean. I'll, I'll tell you quickly. I don't want a couple a couple of stories there. When we obviously when I signed with Boston, obviously we're gone full time. I thought, oh, this is going to be good. We, we had a pre-season uh, trip to Lindisfarne, which was the old England training grounds, and uh, we obviously been really professional at the time. We were starting to be professional footballers, and I think I think Walsall were there, Villa Wolves were there. So obviously we turned up as a, a non-league team, and we, obviously Steve was saying we're we're professional, we're full time footballers, and uh, we obviously walked one out on a night out on one of the nights there, and uh, the next day we were. We were, some of us standing there having a toilet in the bushes outside uh, outside all the where the villa players were and all the they were doing proper training. We were we had uh, no balls. We're standing there next to it. We we're playing football golf. We we're swinging on the trees and they must be thinking that he's going to be a full are these a full time football club. What these not doing here? <laughs> we had lads just coming in from a night out from about six o'clock in the morning, standing on the bushes having a little uh, having a number three. So uh, that was that was we were meant to be full time. Football club then, and obviously we're doing that. And but uh, that was that was a really good uh, story. That but I'll, I'll tell you one more quick story. Um, 
we used to walk on a Wednesday night with the boys in town in Boston. Everyone used to stay over. We used to get a Thursday night off. So we all went out together into town. And uh, I'm not going to name any names, but one night, one of the players had the keys for the club. And um, we, we left the nightclub in town about three o'clock in the morning. We all we opened the York Street and we put the floodlights on and we were all, we were all kicking about on the pitch about half three, four o'clock in the morning. Obviously, couple of boys might have been naked uh, running around the pitch so uh, that was if, if you if you looked out your window and said what's Boston United's football ground lights on half three four o'clock in the morning I, I was involved in it along with three or four or five players that you mentioned names but I'm not going to give any names away but uh, look, look, look I think one of them was asleep on Steve's desk in the morning so uh, that was uh, did, you, that, did it who, who had to sort out that mess and I'm probably guessing it was John Blackwell and he wasn't yeah. actually Obviously, all the sandwiches were there. All the sandwiches were there for the next day because we used to get. We used to be. I think it was a place in town called Burnham's. We used to be a little little uh, little shop. We used to get all our food from there. And ever so lovely people were there. They looked after us, and uh, we there was all the food there for the next day's training. Obviously, we had all the food and everything. Throw all the food up against the walls and everything. So when when Steve come in in the morning, all the sandwiches were all over the floor, all over his desk, against the wall, and obviously. We, uh, we, we got told off that day, but there's one more story I remember. We had a game against Rushton, a pre-season friendly, and um, me and Mickey Brown, I said, listen, I know, I know where Rushton is, I'll drive. And obviously, I was never sat nav, so obviously, I took the wrong direction. We were about an hour late, and I thought, Steve Evans is like my dad, he's going to kill me, he's going to go absolutely crazy. So anyway, uh, I got out of my car, and I smashed my wing light and uh, I said I'd been in the, I said I had an accident and I crashed into something until we drove off. But when we got when we got to the ground, because obviously we got, we got to Rushton, and the Rushton were like the like the man city of non league then, weren't they? They were like the I don't even but their players walk around with robes on and things like that. And there's me with a stand with a window in me and saying, Steve, gaff I had a car crash and uh, he went absolutely crazy with it. I tried to make it up that we had a we had a crash in the car and all the lads were all the lads were killing us. So uh, I think that's the that's a couple of stories that have stuck in me and I wanted to keep them a bit clean obviously, but uh, that, that was uh, that was the stories of the boys that Oh, it's just Brilliant. just things that you do just for the sake of not feeling the wrath from Steve Evans. Can I just say about the, 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 the guy who was involved in the club? He, he really looked after me when I was there. Um, he passed away not long ago, didn't he? Um, Glenn, was it Glenn, wasn't it? Glenn from the club. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn Chapman. Yeah, he, he, uh, I got really well with him. And sometimes, obviously, because I lived, I lived out the area, and obviously, he used to let me stay over at his house sometimes. And uh, he was a super bloke, him. And I know he passed away recently. I, I messaged his wife not long ago. And uh, even when I played for England, he, he came and watched the games. And when we went to, we played. I think we played at Ketman's Ground. He came over, but he was a, he was a lovely guy. He was, and I know he was still part of the club. Wasn't long ago, so I, I, I seen that on the news not long ago. And so uh, I just want to mention him as well because he was a really he was a, he was yeah. a Mr. Was he done everything for the club, and he was a he's a really nice guy. So that's what I mentioned yeah, him. Real real gentleman. Um, mm. Obviously, a big big part of the uh, supporters' association was Glenn as well. Uh, yeah. So he'll, he'll be sadly missed. I think I see Chris Cook put on about um, yeah, old uh, water bottle guy. Um, he's Don, I think his name is. Uh, he's just recently passed away. So yeah, this yeah. Um, obviously it's it's not nice, but it's always always nice to keep the memories alive as well. Um, so yeah. You know, um, so um, yeah, you with, with that that team, like you say, you had good 
good understand with with Goldie was it was very important to have a good partnership with Goldie playing down that left hand side. Um, was there any others who you probably thought you? I know you had a good team togetherness, but I like partnerships. Do you, was there anybody who stuck out who you thought? If I'm putting the ball in, I know where he's going to be, a bit like Daryl or someone like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think stats-wise, I think I think that obviously uh, I bet you had a lot of assists in them games, but I think without some of them players there, I was I was a part of it. But if you look at Daryl Clare, how many goals he scored, how just how good he was that season, and I think you're looking at um, Paul Ellen there as well. He was. Uh, what a player he was, and what a, him, them two were like best mates, and but they were like top top players they were. And I think uh, if they'd been playing now, I reckon I reckon they'd be playing in the championship. That's how I, that's how highly I thought of them. Yeah. I think uh, Rodas and Paul Allender, Jim Rodwell and Paul Allender, they they could have won games on their own just them two playing because that's how much heart they had. And I mean, I was the ball player, and. Uh, they, they were the players that made that in, in Baza. If you look at Baza and uh, Jim Rodwell and, and Paul Allen down, and then you've got Darryl up front, they, 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 were, they were like players that won us that league. Yeah, I had a big part in it, but them boys were the main reason why we won that league, definitely. Yeah, I know, I know Jim Rodwell used to frighten the life out of me because he used to head of a ball back from about two yards to Baza near the goal. Yeah. <laughs> but he was that comfortable. He, it was just cool and calm, Rodders, uh, running yeah. the game very well. Um, and you know, I think even on the Hayes game, I think he was all bandaged up. By the yeah, end he was, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he was top, uh, top, top guy. So, um, near, near the tail end of uh, your boss of time, obviously, Neil Thompson, he must have been a massive influence from the coaching aspect. Yeah, um, how, how, how good was Tomo? I think as a coach, he was like one of the best coaches I've worked with, and, and to be fair, I got on really well with Neil, I got on well with him. Um, just had, had an issue with the contract. Uh, I said to you about, said to you before, me, me and Simon obviously played in England together. A big part of winning the league with Boston. And uh, Simon got offered a better contract than me, which I didn't agree with. And, uh, and to be fair, I probably said some stuff that I shouldn't have said. And that's why I probably fell out with you, probably. But uh, one of the best coaches I've seen, obviously, coaching first team was Sheffield Wednesday recently. He was caretaker manager. But uh, he, he worked well with Steve. Steve was more of the, the aggressive. Uh, the Fergie type of manager, whereas Neil was the the coach. He done the coaching side of it, but he was a top top coach. I thought he, he, he was decent. He was decent bloke, and like I, said, I was probably naive at times and probably said some stuff I shouldn't have said and why I wasn't in the team or why I wasn't going off for the contract and the better contract. But that's that's part of football. But if I see Neil today and I, I bumped into him somewhere, I'd shake his hand because he was he was a decent guy. He was. He was he, he, you you you're saying about Steve like the aggressive sort of thing, but you. You was the type of player who could, you know, you could buzz off his passion and and drive, um, and you, obviously you responded to that. Were there anybody when you're looking around the training room thinking, oh, I think he's done now because Steve shouted at him, or, or was, wasn't it like it back then because they were, you know, they had a bit more about them mentality wise. Yeah, possibly. I think um, a lot of them boys there could give as good as they get and I, th- I remember a game when we played Scarborough away and we were we were awful and I think we were literally last two, three games of the season we, I think we got beat 1-0 at Scarborough and uh, Steve come in and he was going absolutely crazy. I think Daryl Clare picked a big water bottle up, one of them big tank had water bottles and he went to throw it but uh, I think there was a lot of big personalities in that dressing room who 
if you were on your game, they wouldn't have to be Steve to say that. It would be Baza, Paul Allen, that I would play, Simon Robertson as well. So there's some big characters in there. So, but I think with Steve, he, he give out. But then the next, the first time he had a go at me, and he slaughtered me, and he had a go at me. I thought he was going to speak to me ever again. But then the next day, it's forgot about it. It's just that's the way. He's, that's I think that's the way. Like, like say, Alex Ferguson's like that. He, he, he has a go at the players and I think that's it. And then the next day he got on with it. So, and I, I learned that. So I've not really had that in my career. A manager who was really vocal and wanted the best and really wanted to drive. I'm probably not saying disrespectful to Steve because he's had a top top managerial career, but he's like, like Alex Ferguson say, where he, he motivates players by being aggressive and wanting the best out of them. But he certainly did get the best out of all, uh, all them boys. His, his man management was time was good. Like, we have a game on a Saturday and he'll say, you win Saturday, we'll see you Thursday. And obviously, full-time football was getting four days off during the during the season. You imagine what how, how much they wanted to go through good balls to win that game to get four days off. But he was he was good at that. He was really good. His man management said, "You win this game, you have four days off and things like that." So yeah, it was he, he was good at that. I liked Steve. I got him over. So Thailand, when you when you drifted away. I'm just trying to picture uh, the timeline here, uh, putting things into place. When when did the likes of Danny Thomas, Courtney Pitt were, were they? Yeah, they was leaving or yeah, they they came in about yeah towards the end of the season when I was leaving. When I was leaving, to be fair, and uh, obviously I had a I was trying to sort a contract out, and, and obviously Steve obviously left the club. He came back, and then he went again. But it was it was probably the 2003 2004 season where. Yeah. We, we had a, we had a trip organised to Magaluf at the end of the season after playing Cambridge, and, I, and to be fair, I didn't want to go. And uh, I, I went in the end because obviously I was out of contract. So I didn't want to go away. I wanted to get another club and try and get fit. But that was probably the time I left when them boys came in. I, I think he was good, he was a good. I think it was Danny Thomas was a good player left wing. He was a really good player. But uh, that's when I probably I was probably looking at going down down downwards that way. I was what 31, 32. Them boys were probably 23, 24. They were being in the league. I was coming probably coming out of the league. So um, that was the time I left them. But to be honest, like I said, I got offered a two-year contract to play at Kings Lynn on, on roughly the same salary I was on in Boston and I've got a sign on for as well. So it was a no-brainer really to play two-year contract. So but again, but again it, it was very much what I liked. Um, being a fan, then you knew what you was getting. You knew you was getting four, four, two. You you weren't getting like inverted wingers like you get now. You, it was just yeah. always if if you left hand side, you was left footed, and uh, you just knew what you was getting. Out, you know, it's very very traditional back then. Obviously, how and, and as we said earlier, how the games has evolved. Um, yeah, what was the um, what was the camaraderie, uh, the banter like on these horse journeys? Because they must have been some some tracks right um was it was it the era where the boys were playing cards and you know yeah. took a bit of yeah. here and there yeah it was a, it was a, i mean let's say i probably had 10 12 clubs pro semi-pro but then group of boys there was probably the best group of boys come together they say we had players who were part-time in boston going to full-time like lodgy was part-time full-time and as players came from league clubs and we just gelled so much as a group of players and everybody got on well with everybody we wrote the young squad as well i was like 28 30 wherever i was and the, all the boys we went out together socially and peter brownie we uh, lads lived together but it was such a good group of boys there card screws on the bus um it was it was more of a, a few beers on the bus to be honest with you than the, the cars so but uh 
there's some good boys there, top top real good good trips as well. Even when we won the the Hayes game, we all stayed. We went out in London for the night after that game. The bus took us into a hotel in London, so uh, we all went out in London. And as as I texted you earlier, just to remind you, obviously um, sending you the, the link and everything for today. Um, I, well, I was very impressed, Cookie, when I was watching the uh, the, the highlights of the the, the Hayes. Mark was better than Sergio Ramos because it was a bit. It was it. He had that cup at the top of the bus near the um, near the assembly rooms coming over was, the bridge. And was, he didn't let go of it. He didn't. Let was go keeping of it. standing up. That was. He was keeping holding up. But we all went out in London after, before that, and we all got back to Boston in the morning. Obviously, even just driving over that bridge over the town into uh, where the old Ramos is. Just driving down there and seeing all them fans, that was that was amazing. That was I, I looked at it, I watched that not long ago, that, that video of it, and that was amazing. That was that was unbelievable experience. That yeah, prolonged it. And obviously, the uh, I think the video sort of ends with Steve getting on the microphone and starts singing, uh, singing to the crowd, <laughs> stand up if you love Boston and stuff like that. No, wore his heart on his sleeve, got to yeah. what he had to. Yeah. Um, so. I did give you some some warning about this, Mark. Um, we can do a, a part of it, the one to eleven segment <laughs> of off script. Um, I, I give you the challenge of putting a team together, best yeah. players you played with at Boston. I think yeah, you've got yeah. it all sorted now, haven't you? I have. I've got. I'm going to go out on a limbo and say probably Baza might be in. If not, it could be a bit of a travesty. Yeah, Baza is just a Mr. Yeah. Legend, isn't he? He's, he's been there, done it. Uh, top keeper, top bloke, uh, Mr. Boston. He's, he's, he ain't going to get any better goalkeepers than him. But not just his goalkeeping, his, his personalities, all about and everything. He, all the lads loved him. He's such a good bloke. And I still speak to him to this day. And he's uh, he, he just couldn't pick a better goalkeeper than him anyway. He was a top draw, he was. Yeah. Are we going 4 4 2, Mark? I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go four four two. Yeah, keep it nice and simple. I was going to say, if it's a modern day formation, it might baffle some. Um, I've got Cliffy at right back. Mark Clifford. I thought again, him on his day, he should he should have been playing league football when he was at Boston before he got into the league. He was quick, strong, good personality, good on the ball, energetic, like a modern day footballer now, where he can get up and down the pitch. He was, I liked him. He was, he was top top lad as well. Hey. And he had a weird technique you could throw in a ball. Yeah, yeah, it was like a sort of a twist and throw, wasn't it? Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, he was, he was. You won't get many right backs better than him, to be fair. He was, he was top draw. He was. Um, I had left back. I had uh, Chappy Ben Chapman, who was there obviously when I was when we were in the league. Little lad from Grimsby. He was a he was top player, tough as nails. He was good lad, um, strong. So uh, even though Goldie was in uh, Lodgy, I, I thought uh, Chappie was. Uh, I like playing in front of him because he was he was a tough player and he sort of done a lot of my defensive work and uh, just gave me the ball really. So and he, he, he came across really nasty, didn't he, Ben Chapman? Like he was like a hard hot. He's got he's got calfzillas. He's yeah. massive. He, he wasn't. He was really quiet in the changing room. He was really quiet lad, but on the pitch, really? yeah, he was uh, he was different altogether. I thought he was a top lad. He was a top player. He's really good. Uh, my centre half was Jim Rodwell. Um, been there, done it at that level. Outstanding work, right energy, effort, will to win was, was amazing. And uh, his centre half partner was Ray Warburton. Uh, I loved Ray's when he came to the club. 
Um, another leader like him, top, top lad off the pitch as well. Not meet a nicer lad, and uh, we used to travel in together, me, me, Goldie, uh, Ray's Ake, because I lived there, uh, Spalding. I used to pick me up from the Northampton lads and pick me up, and uh, top lad, top player as well. Run um, through Brit Wall for Awood. Um, so that that'll be my. I think he's just taken on a different role at Northampton, is he? Yeah, it's like first team coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Brady, who's their manager, obviously he he got me involved with Arsenal, but uh, I couldn't put John in the team because he only didn't play many games. So, but that's my that's my back four anyway. Well, Ray, 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 you got to have him in because obviously that's that's the part that's the partnership, the free kick, the header. He had to yeah. be in, didn't it, and and he was tough as nails as well, so I hadn't put a mini mate of slaughter made to be fair. So uh <laughs> my centre midfielder, which probably I could have played him at the back, but it was Paul Allender. Um another one who you just had my head because of his he was a really funny bloke he was as well. He was he was like he was the, the biggest wind up merchant ever. I mean I remember being at Boston where he's pouring eggs on Daryl Clare's car and eggs and flour and everything, but he was such a top lad he was. We used to train Tracy and he used to put he used to he used to drive past and throw water bottles out the out of the cars and things like that. Obviously didn't do it now, could you? But uh, he was just sort of that he was he was brilliant he was. He, he was he was you want a player that will run through brick walls, he was the one. He, yeah, he, yeah. As good as, he wasn't technically as good as what players what other people would su- suggest, but if you had put one penny team at the start of a game, it would be him. Did, did, he, did, he sign, did he sign at the club as a, a centre-half or a mid Yeah, Because he played at Scarborough. Yeah. Where, where obviously all Boston fans really disliked him. And then I think a week later, he was wearing a Boston shirt. Yeah, <laughs> Steve, Steve played as centre-half at, at Scarborough. And, uh, but he sort of played midfield a little bit more. But I had to put him in midfield because I couldn't leave that razor in Rodder. So, uh, but he was, he was top, top lad, honestly. Really down-to-earth lad. He was top player. I think I've got another um, Samuel Aston in midfield. Um, I think he had a trailer Bolton as well at the time. He, he was one of the best players. I've, I've, I know Samuel's when he was a younger player as well, so he should have maybe ha- played at a higher level than, than where, where we were at the time. Even though we got into the league, he was, I think he went to Bolton for a while, but uh, very professional, very fit. Who, who was that, Mark? Sorry? Samuel Weatherston. He was uh, yeah. very, very professional in his training. We were really like to have a mess about and a joking, but he was very serious with his training, his diet, everything, even at that level. Uh, that that time when we were twenty years ago, he was like fitness wise, he was, he was one of the fittest lads I'd see. So he was he was a good lad. He was a quiet lad, have a bit of fun with lads, but he was really model professional. I thought he was. Whereas the likes of Murray Rodders and Paul Allen down down like to have a little drink now and again. Yeah. Was professional, so if you stand the corner having a coke, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I've got uh, well, I've got, I've got Neil Redfern, Neil Redfern. Oh, I put him right. in the midfield. So, what can you say about Neil? How many appearances he made, and even some of the goals he scored at Boston when he was there. But for him to still be playing, I think it was like 40, wasn't he? He was, he was first, he used to travel from Barnsley and wherever he lived, like two hours a day to training. He was first one there, he was training, he was, he was fit, his attitude, and his. Appetite to play football, like some younger, like, like myself, I was probably a lot younger than him. And I think, oh, train again today, and uh, oh, got to do a bit, of, a bit of extra. But he was like the modern, you can see the career he's had, how well he's done. So he was a player that I'd have in there. Did, uh, did Neil ever sell you some Adidas boots? He, I think he sold most of the boys some stuff, didn't he? So, uh, <laughs> good lad he was. I, I, was a, um, I was in sixth form at the time, and we had a, a young lad, a local salesman. At, BMW, uh, Adam Lester, and 
he he was on work experience at the club, and he come. It was only old days, and he come back and said, "Oh, Neil Redfern's selling some Adidas Supernova boots. If you want some, I said, oh, I'll have a slice of that off Redders.'" And he, he was ordering them in, and I was like, yeah. where's, "Where's my Supernovas?" He said, "Oh, I'm getting I'm getting the delivery come in." Oh, yeah, I've yeah. actually got a pair up in the loft, Super Rovers, bought off Neil Redford. Yeah, he's the top guy, he was top guy, he was, you know, like everyone like Neil, he was a good guy. So experienced. I've got uh, a player you might not remember, I didn't play much with him, but I, David Noble, can you remember him? Blonde-haired lad, Santa Midfield, Steve brought him in from, uh, from West Ham as a young lad, and he, he, his ability was unbelievable. He didn't, he played centre midfield, but he was... Skillful, got a great right foot on him. I didn't play much with him, but watching him train coming from a Premier League club, a youth team player, yeah. he stuck out in my mind. And I thought if he maybe had a better, not saying the word attitude, but maybe he's, he applied himself better because he's probably a young lad in London, probably straight after the game, he's out at the weekends and probably similar to me when I was younger that age. But I think he played for Exeter as well. But ability wise, yeah. he, he was on a par with anyone else, you know, such a good player. So, um, really good. And the, the two strikers I've got, I'll, Darryl Clare is obviously for me one of the best players I've played with ability wise. And uh, he's he had everything he's he's he's, he's physical, he's skillful, he was scored goals, he's head he's will to win. But above all that, he was a bit like Paul Allen, he's, he's like such a good team player, such a good lad around the dressing room, yeah. I mean, we had uh, so many good players around the dressing room. He was one of them, one of them players that was probably up there for me. Is the reason why we won that league, to be honest with you. Yeah, because he scored all the goals, but he, he was winning games on his own first. To be fair, he was, he was, he was I think, remember Southport when he scored the last header from like thirty yards out or something like that. But he was, uh, if he'd been playing now, if this was this level now, he'd be another one. I think would be. Been a very wealthy footballer, very good level of player because he had he had everything. He had everything at that level. He, honestly, he had everything as a player. Yeah. You know, I've got uh, one more player. Um, he's a local lad, so if you can guess his name. Play he's a young lad, didn't play That's many. Elder. Yeah, I've got I've got Anthony down. He's a young lad coming through. And you can see he had so much ability and talent there. He's fit, he's strong, such a good lad, and uh, he. Uh, it's a funny story about Anthony. I actually had a car, I can't remember what it was, a Citroen, and uh, he wanted to buy it off me, and he was, and he gave me half the money for it, and he said, oh, I haven't got any money. He said, just just keep the car. I said, I'm not going to keep the car. He was driving around with me, and he was going to give me it back. So uh, he was just a, such a down-to-earth lad. He was a really good lad. Uh, I haven't seen him for a while, but he said, uh, I said, Anthony, are you going to do that car? He goes, no, I'll just take it back, keep it. I haven't got the rest of the money for it. So he's, he was, honestly, he was such a, but he's done well to get his moves he did, and he was, uh, he, he did well, got the Leeds and everything. I think if he kicked on from Leeds, he could have been playing Premier League football. If he had it just, he went to that. He, went up, he? he could have went. He could have went and played a really. He could have went there. If he kicked on again, he could have been that top Premier League level. But injuries wise and whatever. But that's just one of them things. I could have, I could be wrong here, but I'm sure Anthony Eldon was Gary McAllister's first signing at Leeds. Yeah, could it could have been. I think the. Uh, you could see the potential when he was younger. You could see how good he was, how good he was, and uh, like I said, he had the right breaks and the right. I mean, getting a break to go to Leeds was probably unbelievable, right? But like I say, if he if he kicked on again, he could have went to that next. If you look like Billy Sharp and people like that with Doncaster and Rushton, they ended up going another step again. Where Anthony was just as good as him, and he just didn't go to that. But like you say, he obviously financially did very well out of it. 
So, uh, but he was top player, good lad as well. All good around the dressing room, then, boys. Who would you, uh, you've got quite a few leaders in there. Who would you name as your captain? I think it'd have to be either Paul Allender or Paul Rodas, I think. Uh, prop, probably Paul Allender, I think. Allender. Yeah. Allender seems to get it. Uh, Allender was the same uh, on Steve's one last week. But um, great, 1 to 11. And I'm guessing the manager would be Steve. Yeah, Steve. Um, he he's done what he, he did, and like I said, I know he's not everyone's cup of tea at Boston. But what he did in that season, yeah, he had the financial, he had the financial from the, the backing from the Malkinsons, and but even to get, to win that league, how he did, all them players have brought him together. Um, I think he he done really well for the club, and if he hadn't been suspended or whatever happened, obviously we know that say what happened, and uh, if he had been able to kick on again and stay there that season when we went up. Uh, I possibly think that Boston will still be a league club now because I don't think it would have been the other bottom of the league if he had been still in charge, if I'm being honest. But uh, that's just the way it is and that's the way football is. But he, he, did a good, he did a good job getting Boston on the map and getting them in the football league. So fair play to him. Top, top team. Um, really, really good side, that. Um, Cookie, before we wrap it up, um, anything from from you? He's is, is asleep, isn't he? He's, he's dozed off. No, no, I'm still here. He's in the bank cave. It's just it's hard to stop Righty talking sometimes. <laughs> Goes for it. Uh, yeah, uh, great insight there. Um, thanks for that. Um, just, I ask it to everybody, um, because obviously my YouTube channel, this will be put on, is for uh, the younger players. Is there just one piece of advice you'd give to younger players Um Playing football now. One piece of advice. You can do. My, my, my advice would be because all, all the young kids, all the young players want to be pro footballers. In an ideal world, it's, it doesn't always happen. But I think get you, I think Boston got a good scholar program there, like the 16 to 18s, where they do the, the scholarship side of it. And uh, I'd say to all the players, try and get, yeah, we all want to be that top level football, we want to play in the game. And, but get you, get your other side of the game, like so your, your educational side. So, and get you try and get your academic studies up. And I mean, I wasn't the cleverest at school, but th th there's there's plans put in place now where players can get degrees from playing, to get PE teachers, they can get the, the coaching qualifications and go to America. So I would say, as long as you've got that dream of being a footballer, just try and do the, the academic, uh, the, 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 the school side, the, the other side of it as well, because you don't always have to be a pro footballer. You can still get a good job in sport, or physio, you can get sports psychologists, you can. So, there's loads of stuff in there, but the coaching room for all the young boys that are, that are coming up as well. So that's that's an important part of the side, I think, to do that side, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like you say, there's loads of um, loads of jobs in football now. Um, so, yeah, thanks for that. Great great advice. Thank you. Yeah, lovely. It's, it's good to come on, guys. Really good to speak to you both, yeah? Yeah, Mark, I appreciate that, mate, um, coming on and, you know, reliving the glory days it's great to hear about well, there's, um, there's a lot more stories than that but I couldn't keep, I couldn't tell them on here I'll have to tell you another time <laughs> yeah we had to put an age restriction but yeah thank we, we like to hear about the, the obviously uh, people who go pro um, and not especially when you've played for the, the local club which is obviously uh, means a lot to both me and Cookie um, great team uh, great insight for the lads um, coming up I just want to say 
from uh, myself, Sookie. Thank you for coming on off script. And um, for the people who, who do watch it, um, fingers crossed, it all goes well for next week. We're going we're gonna to be recording with Lee Cannaville. Yeah, uh, so um, that's that's coming up next week. But for now, thank uh, Mark mm. Angel for coming well on, and uh, we'll well see you again soon. Well done for all the time you put in doing it, boys. Well done. Catch you soon, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, you, Mark.